Hey everyone, this is Ryan from Athix Fitness, and you're listening to the Athix Approach Podcast, the podcast where we highlight inspirational, up-and-coming vegan and plant-based athletes that you've probably never heard of yet, and what they do to absolutely kill it on a plant-based diet. If you haven't already, it would really help out if you subscribed to liked, commented, and or shared any of the content I'm producing, including this podcast, free articles and training programs on athixfitness.com, videos on the Athix Fitness YouTube channel, and more. I truly appreciate all of you guys for the love and support. In today's episode, I speak with Taylor Patterson, aka The Vegan Trainer, a personal trainer and life coach who specializes in working with others to help improve various aspects of their life above and beyond just physical fitness. Taylor has a unique approach to his coaching that aims to improve various lifestyle facets, such as work, social, and financial health, to name a few, with the approach that improving each aspect will contribute to overall well-being. Taylor and I discuss his philosophies on this, as well as what got him into fitness and strength training, what drew him to veganism over a decade ago, making healthy yet sustainable diet choices, his take on masculinity, and how veganism can tie into it, and so much more. Taylor is very well versed in what he does, and I particularly love his story about what drew him to going vegan, as well as his work in men's health and his views on masculinity. I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed our chat. All right, what's up, guys? This is the Eighth Approach Podcast, and today I am with Taylor Patterson, aka The Vegan Trainer. And um, yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast this time. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I just was, I'm stoked to have you back on, man. Appreciate you, Ryan. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to be on. So uh, you've like, I've loved all your podcast episodes uh, and all your interviews. So I'm really, really grateful to be on. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I definitely feel the same about yours, of course. And uh, the last chat we had was awesome. So I am really stoked to get in on everything that we're going to talk about today. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, do you mind doing like a quick little intro about yourself, kind of like who you are, what you do, you know, things like that? Yeah, man, totally. Well, um, so name's Taylor. Um, I'm kind of sort of colloquially known as <laughs> the vegan trainer, I guess, <laughs> at the vegan trainer on Instagram. Um, I'm a, So I got into personal training about just over 10 years ago and dipped into online coaching started dipping my toes into it around 2013 and then went fully into it around 2018 2019 mm-hmm. um and yeah so now i help people my my primary role as a coach is to help people transform their habits and their behaviors so a lot of people stereotype me as a, like a bodybuilding coach and mm-hmm. definitely help people a little bit with that but that's my 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 primary focus and what i love to do is is help people change their mindsets change their behavior and form good habits mm-hmm. So, um, is that mainly what you do now? Kind of more of like almost life coaching stuff? Yeah. Well, it it ends up being that way. So most people come to me for like a program and a meal plan and I give people a program and I give people a meal plan, but knowing full well that we're probably not going to start there. So I coach on three aspects. Well, when you were on my podcast, you know how I have the goal wheel, right? And there's eight quadrants, just like friends and family, lifestyle, or uh, personal development, um, spirituality, all that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. finances. Um, So I narrow that down into three uh, like larger, more all-encompassing categories, nutrition, lifestyle, and exercise. Mm -hmm. And those three areas I coach people on. And 
for most people, one of those areas, if they really dialed in their habits and changed their mindset, changed their practices with it, it would cascade into the rest of their life. So that's what I, what I do is we focus on one of those three, mm-hmm. dialing it in for a week and then building on that week over week. Okay. And you kind of grew into that from more of like a fitness-based coaching, like exclusively? Yeah, man. I got into personal training and uh, yeah. I loved personal training. The reason why I got into personal training is because I saw the effect a personal trainer had on my mom's life uh, mm-hmm. transformed her completely. Like mm-hmm. she, uh, she took back her life basically because she hired a personal trainer and, and I was a mechanic before uh, mm-hmm. becoming a personal trainer. I was like, oh man, I really want to have that same effect, you know, in people's lives. But the way I got into coaching, the way that uh, I just described was actually because I was a personal trainer, but I was really just hired to count reps and like carry people's weight around, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I, I actually went through, uh, like a bit of a, a crisis in the early stages of my personal training career mm-hmm. with binging. So I developed a, a really severe binging disorder. And as I got out of that, I, I sought a, uh, some help for it. And I, and I, uh, learned a lot, I actually took some courses on behavior change and, and mindset change and whatnot. And I helped get out of that. And it's kind of like the hero's journey, right? Like you come full circle and you contribute a mm-hmm. uh, contribution. So my contribution was changing the way that I approached my work with my clients to, instead of focusing on just the reps, the weights, the exercise that we're doing, that's the how, but the underlying foundation is built on mindsets, uh, mindset change and behavior change and habit formation. Okay. And, um, when you first got into personal training, like towards the beginning, did you coach out of a gym, I guess? Yeah. 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 I still go to the gym. Oh, really? I used to coach at. Yeah. yeah. It's like in your, in your area at home or something. Yeah. It's like a eight minute, eight minute walk. It's an awesome gym, man. It's like my favorite gym ever. Mm -hmm. I've been to a lot of gyms and it's still my favorite. It's called studio Four athletics in Victoria. And the reason why I like it so much is like, well, when the vibe's awesome, everybody there is super friendly and, you know, they're OG. A lot of them have been going there forever. The owners mm-hmm. have like owned it basically since it started. And it's, it's been a staple in that area, but it's also an old brick building. So when you go in there, it's like, it makes you want to work, right? It kind of, it's mm-hmm. like a, if Rocky lived in Victoria, which is where I live, he'd probably train in there. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just like, yeah. is it like one of those uh, like hardcore bodybuilding gyms or is it just kind of, I don't know. It's more of a martial arts studio, actually. Oh, it okay. has, it's, so there's, um, there's, you know, obviously strength training equipment and whatnot everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's barbells and, and we have tons of squat racks, tons of barbells, mm-hmm. but we have a full, well, it's not a full size, but it's a, it's a almost full size boxing ring in there, mm-hmm. a bunch of bags. We have boxing classes all the time. We have martial arts classes, um, dance classes. And, and one of the owners is a, uh, like a really well-known capoeira, uh, I don't want to say instructor because it's not, he's not, he is an instructor, but like, he's like very well-known, I guess I should say probably practitioner, like a evangelist for capoeira. Oh, that's awesome. Does you do any boxing at all? I did a little bit, man. You know, like way back when, uh, I was never any good, but I I used to, there was some, so I I was really lucky when I first started going there that, uh, I made friends with a bunch of people who, were high level boxers and kickboxers. And so I trained a little bit with them, but nothing too crazy, but, um, you know, they taught me a lot of kickboxing. They taught me a lot. And, uh, there was another guy who did Brazilian jujitsu. He was a smaller guy than I was, but man, like, you know, he trained with me. Like we, we'd go lift weights and I would school him on the weights and then we go grapple. 
and he would kick my butt, man. Like you yeah. just like, you know, there's, it was like the leverages are just completely different. Yeah. Um, and there's actually a guy who trained there forever and he's about as high level of kickboxer as you can get. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel Varga, he, uh, he fights in K1, mm-hmm. uh, or is he fighting glory? I can't remember. Maybe he's fought in both, but he's like, you know, he's, about as declarated as it gets when it comes to kickboxing. He's from my hometown, trained okay. there for years and years. Yeah, that's fucking um, awesome. Um, I am uh, so interested in like boxing and kickboxing. I wanted to get into it for a while. Yeah. Um, but I've had, so I did like some free trials in New York and stuff here, obviously. And um, yeah. not knowing what I was getting myself into, I like did a couple of those kickboxing classes being like, oh, cool, maybe I can learn like some, te- some technique or something. But it's kind of, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, you know, it's kickboxing cardio, you know? You yeah, know exactly. Fuck. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh shit, this, this kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, my friend who's never boxed a day in her life went for a job application at one of those places. And they're like, do you, have you ever boxed? And she's like, no. And they said, oh, do you do like, uh, have you ever done any classes? Like cardio classes? She's like, yeah. Like I've taught some cardio classes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, perfect. Yeah. And they were going to hire her on the spot. And uh, she's never, you know, thrown a kick in her life. Yeah. So wow. I, I think, yeah. So if you're going to learn it, um, you know, one of the best ways I think is, is to get a hire a private coach. Who's a seasoned, yeah. bo- seasoned boxer, mm-hmm. um, you know, they can train you one-on-one and usually they're looking for clients. So, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to do. Um, but I found some guy who was going to do it. who was like a friend of a friend and yeah. uh, we had everything set up and then uh, he was like yeah come in my backyard i have like a little like boxing you know station or whatever like uh he's got like a heavy bag and stuff nice. and like i'll come teach you one-on-one like you know once a week or something and then he texts me like a week later and he's like yo man actually i got in a fight with my roommate and i gotta move out and i was like oh no <laughs> i just never heard of, uh, from him again after that so i was like i guess it's not meant oh no damn, now i have my man. own backyard in brooklyn again and i'm like damn maybe i should just get a heavy bag and like Find somebody to come to my place and teach me again. <laughs> do it, man. Do it. And you know, the, the, one of the approaches that I took when I was first, and again, let me just state for the record that uh, I am not a boxer. I'm not a kickboxer. I would get my butt handed to me by anybody who's taking it seriously for yeah. even a short amount of time. Yeah. But what I did find really uh, helpful and really productive for me when I was learning to take, like hit pads and do a little bit of sparring and whatnot is I would learn from them and I would uh, hit at the pace that they would teach me to pace. Mm-hmm. But then I would almost on my own time when I was in the room with boxing, uh, boxing equipment, I would take like the, um, the Tai Chi approach and just really focus on like super slow focus on the movement, like trying to figure out how to, you know, turn my hips, pivot off mm-hmm. my toe and all that kind of stuff. Very, very slowly, just repetitive, 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 repetitive. Mm-hmm. And that helped a lot, man. Just uh, not to try to yeah. waste the bag, but just, get the mechanics dialed in so you kind of worked up from just like like perfecting the technique almost and then sped it back up again i guess exactly yeah like tai chi right like uh tai chi is just uh martial arts at a snail's pace yeah okay (laughs) yeah that's sick um so another thing that i'm curious about so what actually drew you to fitness in the first place and did you end up did you play sports in school or anything and kind of just like branched off into it or what yeah what kind of led you to it well, when I was in high school, I played rugby and I played baseball. Okay. And uh, I played a little bit of lacrosse when I was younger. I really liked it. But when we moved to the island, uh, stopped playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, and, and I also uh, lifted weights a little bit in 
in high school. I shouldn't say a little bit, quite a bit, actually. I, I lifted weights in high school for rugby and I was pretty competitive with some of my friends. And I think back to those days, uh, I would love to go see like videos of our form because mm -hmm. we did, we didn't know anything. Yeah. And we were trying, all we had was like flex magazine. I don't know if you remember flex magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, you know, seeing these guys, you know, bench press like four plates and stuff. I'm like, Oh, well we should be able to do that. So we're just yeah. like, just grinding, man. Like trying to, <laughs> trying to lift stupid amount of weight. Uh, How much you lifting in high school? You know what, when I was, uh, so I've, when I was in, uh, uh, to grade 12, the heaviest I've ever been in my life was, uh, in grade 12. And I was like 220 yeah. or something like that. Was it and, like a uh, I, was, I was a big boy. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> you, you were just like dreamer bulking. Well, man, like I, so I was, um, I was playing rugby at the time uh -huh. and, uh, and also just eating. Uh, like I, I would go to the, go to school and mm -hmm. then I'd come home and I'd eat like just everything, you yeah. know, as a kid does. And then I would go, or no, I'd go to rugby practice if I had rugby practice, or I'd go to baseball practice or a baseball game if I had, if I had nice. that. And I'd come home and I'd eat, just eat forever. And then I'd go home or go to the gym and with my friends, and we'd work out until like 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So, so I was like constantly uh, training in some capacity. But uh, but when I was in grade 12 and again, like I would love to see my form cause I'm sure it was just absolute, <laughs> yeah. but I, I did bench, but the first time I ever benched 315 was in grade 12. Yeah. And then I never touched that weight again until last year. <laughs> yeah. For bench, that that yeah. was the last time you touched 315 since high school. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like if I think wow. back, if I can remember correctly. And the reason is because after high school, I completely stopped working out and I actually got mm -hmm. down to like the lowest would ever been was sub 140. Oh, so wow. I went from two, 220 in grade 12. Wow. And then when I was like 20, in my early twenties, I got down to sub 140, but I was surfing every day. Oh, okay. Okay. And, um, how tall are you? Um, six foot seven, somewhere around there. <laughs> Five foot seven. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm like 5'11", somewhere around there. It depends I was on like, yoga I've been doing. I was like, did you mean you're 6'5"? Like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Seven yeah. is no. I, like, I like to pretend I'm a lot taller than I am. No, I'm, yeah, I'm about 5'11". Okay. Um, but, uh, but what, so, you, man, I, I started rambling there. Your question, when I moved, to, I moved to Vancouver from the island. So I was surfing like twice a day every day when I lived in this place called Tofino. And then I moved to Vancouver and I was, man, to be honest with you, I was just like, I was hyper and I was bored because I was used to like skateboarding or surfing every day mm -hmm. and I was doing nothing. I was like, you know, I was having fun in Vancouver, but I wasn't really putting my energy at my, and so I got a membership to the, to the um, community center. I started going to the gym every day, not because I was like trying to achieve any goal, but just because I was like, well, it's a good way to burn off energy yeah. and uh, you know, get a decent sleep and just kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, I also grew up skateboarding. I, I actually still skateboard a little bit. That's funny. Dude. That's awesome. I, I want to. Every time I see someone skate, I'm like, I want so bad to, you know. I, uh, did you skate park or did you skate bowl? Um, I kind of always skate. So I skated like a little bit of both, I guess. Um, yeah. Kind of like always when I was growing up, like, I don't know, I started skateboarding when I was like 14. I always skated yeah. on the street, just a bunch of like curbs and like ledges and stairs and stuff yeah. up until I was like, 18 and I got a car and I could start going to skate parks and stuff. And then I started skating like more rails and kind of like more mini ramps and uh, yeah. more bowls and stuff. Yeah. Nice. And now I kind of just like, I don't know, maybe I skate like once every, uh, I don't know, 
three weeks or so yeah. like not much anymore you know getting older yeah. and there's like a lot of other stuff to do but yeah man it's, it's still a little you don't bit. bounce anymore dude that's the thing <laughs> you know what i never so i broke an ankle skating um but yeah. that was the worst injury i really got i never yeah i was skating handrails and stuff too for a while so i never got like yeah. as bad as i could have but yeah man it's it hits hard skateboarding dude. is really hard it's nothing like it, man. It's crazy. And I think about getting on my skateboard all the time. Actually, I got my skateboard at my parents' place sitting in their barn. Oh, yeah. Um, my, well, I actually got two, and, but they're both broken, thank God. One, <laughs> one of the trucks is, uh, one of the um, axles is stripped. Uh-huh. So I have to get a new set of trucks. And then the yeah. other one, I think the board's broken in half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I'm actually glad because I always think like, oh, I should, you know, I should, you know, take that out, you know, yeah. put it out in the pool or something like that. And, and then, uh, you know, that would just be a recipe for, you know, six months completely out of commission. That's another reason why I just, am always so cautious about skating anymore. I'm just like, I cannot afford to like break an ankle or something anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing about, one thing about skateboarding that I feel like ties in a lot to weightlifting is just like the individual progression of it. You know how it's like, so individualized like it's just yeah. it's not like a team sport which is mm-hmm. what i'm getting at i guess and like lifting yeah. is also just something where you can like throw on your headphones and just like get in the zone and just like totally. do your own thing and progress on your own time and everything and i think that's kind of what drew me personally to like lifting after skating like my whole life um so i don't know if that's like the same thing for you yeah i mean you know what i really like i like the both of those things or both that and i also like <laughs> which is similar to surfing and skateboarding. It's like not so much competition. I guess it is a little bit of competition, but it's more just like um, doing it with your friends. It, mm-hmm. So for instance, I got some friends at the gym that I, that I sometimes train with. Mm-hmm. And one guy in particular, if he's watching this, Dylan, uh, I'm going to bench more than you next <laughs> week. Uh, but we all, we, we have like a, like a friendly competition usually. Right. So, um, and I feel like it's similar to like that with, with skateboarding. Like if, uh, if you're, you know, if your friend landed a trick, it's like, oh, shit, now I got to uh, shoot. Now I got to, yeah. I swear on this. I can't. Uh, oh yeah. I do it all the time. <laughs> all right. Okay. Perfect. Um, now I got to try, you know? And, and like, uh, so there's a little bit of that too, which I really liked or, or surfing too. Like, you know, you're, um, you're just trying to, trying to outdo your friends a little bit or like yeah. show them up a bit you know i yeah i completely agree with that too it's just that yeah that little friendly competition that you throw yeah, in yeah. the thing the thing with lifting is that it's so like genetic based we're mm-hmm. just like damn like you know you you your friends with somebody else who's just like an ad like just a straight a beast on like the yeah. bench or something yeah, it's like damn i can't compete with this you know yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's, no that's the one aspect that makes it a little tricky. <laughs> Genetic phenoms, yeah, and like uh, especially, especially some people like you would never suspect, and uh, mm-hmm. they're just you know they're like 140 pounds or something, and they're you know deadlifting like you know 550 or something. It's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. that's a strength to weight ratio that I'll never be able to achieve. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's so genetic based with with lifting. Yeah. But I mean, you have a you have a good bench. You weigh like what? Uh, you said like 190 ish now. I use, uh, no, I don't know. I actually haven't weighed myself in over since 2019. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, I stopped weighing myself mostly at this point is just because I haven't weighed myself for so long. It's like, why well, yeah. is a good thing? Yeah. But, uh, you know, but last time I checked though, somewhere around, I usually have around like 200, okay. mostly around 200, maybe a little bit more sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and my bench has been okay. As, as, as traditionally bench has been the hardest for me. 
Mm-hmm. And only, like I say, last year I hit 315 for the first time in basically forever. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it's been getting a little bit better. The most I've benched this year, like I, I tried for 335 again today, and I actually missed it today. But uh, that's more due to a shoulder thing. So okay. You have, you have long pauses on your bench too, right? I think I remember you posted some video. Yeah. Pause for like a couple seconds. Yeah, usually, yeah, two to three seconds I try to pause. Yeah, okay. yeah. Do you feel like um, that's, um, out of curiosity, do you feel like that's safer on your shoulders or do you kind of go by powerlifting standards or? I initially started doing it because I wanted to get stronger out of the hole and, and also for powerlifting, right? I, I, I've always wanted to do like a powerlifting show eventually, not because I have any, you know, uh, um, aspirations of winning, but, huh? um, but because just, you know, for me, but the other reason I do it is because so with uh, like the stretch reflex is a, is a huge thing in lifting, um, especially for things like the squat and bench. Yeah. And I find that like, I can, I can touch and go, but I find when I do touch and go, I dislocated the shoulder when mm-hmm. I was younger and it's always been a tricky shoulder. And it's always the thing that will prevent me from benching, you know, what I think I should bench that day. Yeah. And I yeah. find that when I touch and go, I have a, a real, uh, it, it just feels very, it feels like it's, it's being put into a very difficult position and, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of quick weight transfer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I pause that weight transfer obviously is, is slowed down mm-hmm. and I can organize myself a lot easier and it takes a lot more strength and it's, it's a lot harder physically, yeah. but it feels like it's much uh, better on my shoulders and everything involved. Yeah, I completely agree. I pretty much always also bench with like at least a very slight pause just because touch and go, it feels like you can almost start getting into a groove where you just start bouncing it a little bit. And maybe if it's not much, it's just like you don't have full control, it feels like. And you obviously you can kind of add a little more weight than maybe you can bench with a pause because you're you're cheating a little bit. I feel like it, it just makes you a little more prone to injury, at least for me. Totally. So actually, that's that's another good point, too, is, you know, Technically, you can bench more with a, a touch and go, but the question is, do you want to? Like, would it be better to maybe bench a little bit less, a little bit more safely, uh, and um, on a regular basis? And then, <clears throat> because you know, bench press. I've always said bench press is the dumbest exercise in the world. Like the fact that we like, but uh, of course, I'm always going to continue to try to get stronger. But it's such a dumb thing to try to get stronger at bench press because, like, you think about that movement. You think the human body's meant to bench 300 pounds plus? Yeah. No, not at all. The shoulder is a very delicate yeah. um, joint, you know, and it's, it, you, there's an argument to be made that it's, you know, still evolving. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not designed to be benching that much weight. Yeah. Know, anything over 200 pounds is just kind of ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that makes me think about just how um, – like for general health, you don't have to be lifting that much weight. I was listening to somebody oh. talk about this. I think, do you follow any of those guys from Barbell Medicine by any chance? You know what? Yes, sort of. I've okay. subscribed to them, but you yeah. know what? I haven't, I haven't seen, oh no, it's a part, it's a podcast, right? Uh, they do a podcast and they have like a YouTube channel and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like listening hard. to them for a while, but I, I, they just fell off my radar. But sorry, you, um, yeah, what you yeah. heard I, I was just saying, it reminded me of how they were talking about how like for general fitness and like just being healthy, you don't have to like lift very much weight at all. It's just yeah. like you can you can just go in and like honestly squat like 
if you can rep 225 for a few reps or something on a squat even and cool. um you know bench like i don't know 135 185 like nothing really yeah. just for general health um he was saying that that's that's like totally fine you don't have to be lifting that's a ton of weight it's just like something that like me, me and you love to do because it's fun and it's like yeah rest on you know yeah there is that there is that feeling you get when you do a heavy deadlift when you do a heavy squat or when you're yeah. grinding the squat too you know when you're in a squat and like halfway up and it's like it's just inching up but you know you can get it yeah it's just moving by millimeters yeah uh that is a it's it is a um an enjoyable experience because you feel you feel how like you feel like you're the master of your body you realize you know it's like a part of it like you're not putting all these pieces together at that moment but there's like a summation of a, an idea that's coming to at least to me where it's like you know all of those days all of those weeks all of those months all of those years that i've been yeah. training and getting stronger mm -hmm. i'm pushing myself today uh in a way that's i'm using all of that strength that i've built up and i'm building even more for next week and i, I, I kind of love that feeling yeah, it's like it really builds uh, patience too, because yeah. I mean, strength, especially if you're not, you know, not relying on like exogenous substances at all. Yeah, it's yeah. So long to build up strength yeah. at a certain point, and you finally, Rams. yeah, yeah, and then you finally, after like months and months of like a, your training cycle or whatever, you finally reach like a peak, and you're like, all right, I'm going for that number, and you're all nervous, you know, it's like that mm -hmm. feeling of like you got the jitters, because obviously it's yeah. a heavy fucking weight never experienced before and then like yeah. you crush it or whatever. And you're like, dude, this is the best feeling. <laughs> Let me ask you. So do you, when you get into that peak weight, let's say you're training for a, a peaking exercise. Yeah. Do you have, cause I, everyone knows that feeling, especially squats, right? Yeah. Like squats, deadlifts are different because like you're pulling it from a dead stop, but when yeah. you get under a squat, you have to walk it out and you lift the bar up from the rack and you go, fuck, this is heavy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so when you, when that happens for you, when you're training for a peak set, uh, in a training program, do you have like a mantra or do you have anything that you like hypes you up to, to yeah. give you the best possibility that it's going to come back up? Um, you know, that's a really good, yeah, I would say definitely. Uh, I feel like the, you know, like, you know, towards like an end of like a training cycle where like, I'm really pushing like intensity and stuff. I'll really try, I'll like start getting in a mindset where like, I'll, well, first of all, I'll start taking more caffeine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll start ramping up the yeah. caffeine and I'll start yeah. playing music like heavier and heavier and louder and louder. <laughs> yeah. And then like for those really heavy sets, like a lot of times when I'm really trying to push it and it's not just, you know, it's like a peak set, like you said, I almost like kind of just get there and stand in front of the bar and kind of just like put my hands on my my nose like my my eyes shut my eyes and try to visualize it a little bit mm, and yeah. like really just like take deep breaths sometimes i'll even like <laughs> sometimes i'll even hyperventilate a little bit like in mm. one focus um yes. I, I read that there's actually like some evidence that doing that actually might help a tiny bit but i, I don't know if it's true at all um but yeah I, it's I kinda, bet it does yeah well I guess there's like merit to like breathing exercises, but um, mm -hmm. either way I do that sometimes, but more often than not, I just kind of like get in front of the bar, kind of start pacing a little bit and just really like breathe and like put my, you know, shut my eyes and just try to visualize it and just like let everything just go, you know, like think sometimes I'll like channel, like, I don't know. I'm not like an angry person. So I'll try to channel like some, you know, inner dark mm -hmm. energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? but, uh, Dude, you got to. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? 
it's all in us. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I do a lot of that too. Uh, I do the, I do the, um, if it's a squat, I like to, I like to like bang the bar a bit, you know, yeah. like uh, amp myself up a bit. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I do, the, this is the, something that I started doing, I don't know, a couple of years ago and I love it. And it's, uh, it's just an internal dialogue that I, that I repeat, 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 repeat. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, have you ever heard of the little engine that could? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. I think I can. Um, well, I, so I noticed that when I would get under the bar, especially bench press, yeah. I would lift it up and I go, Oh fuck, I'm never going to get this back up. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, as soon as I lift it up, like I get that, you know, in the internal dialogue. So it's like, I'm just going to, you know, change that, uh, forcefully. Mm -hmm. So whenever I'm doing a, uh, like a one RM squat or a mm -hmm. deadlift or anything, one RM, uh, I just repeat, of course I can, of course I can, of yeah. course I can, of course I can. And, and like, as I, as I keep doing that and then I go, you know, squatting, if I'm going to do my, when I, just before I, uh, dip down into the squat, mm -hmm. I like this, this internal di uh, dialogue is like built up this, yeah. you know, I actually believe it, you know, I'm like, of course I can, it's going to be, this is going to be easy. Uh -huh. And then, uh, man, it's just, it's, a, it was a game changer as soon as I started really? doing that. You know um, that, yeah. Now that you mention it, sometimes like, especially for, for especially for squats i would say where it's just yeah. like like crushing weight on your back or, or like i've been doing yeah. for a while it's just like that feeling where you're like dude this is so fucking heavy like how am i gonna yeah. do this? Yeah. and um i've been trying to do the same thing where like i, I kind of forgot about this but i definitely do the same thing where i just tell myself before I'm like i definitely got this i've been like crushing the weights lately like this is only a little bit more i know i got this and then sometimes like even still, I have to start kind of doing what you're doing, but yeah, even still like iron racket. I'm like, yo, this is insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 And then like yeah. at the bottom, sometimes you're just like, how am I going to get back up? Like every yeah. time oh, slows man. down from being like, you know, a two second squat or whatever to being like yeah. a whole minute and so many thoughts. Go oh, through man. Head. <laughs> Especially when you're at the bottom, it's like, oh man, this is, is this going to even yeah. budge at the bottom? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you ever, you ever think about, I know you're kind of thinking about like maybe doing a powerlifting meet, it sounds like, but have you ever done any, like any other sort of physique related stuff or strength or anything? No, I've never done any physique stuff. No. Um, I'm trying to think I've had like friendly competitions with friends yeah. and stuff. I, I really want to do a powerlifting competition. I still have to fix some stuff. Like I really have to, my main weakness is my lower back and my core, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've been really like, I've actually been really diligent about my stretching and my mobility the last, uh, you know, month or so. Mm -hmm. So that's getting a little bit better, but, um, if I can dial that in, then I would like to probably this time next year, try yeah. to try to try to do a power, but bodybuilding doesn't, doesn't entice me. Reason is because, um, uh, well, I like eating, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, um, you know, I used to count calories to macros and I was, mm -hmm. you know, hyper diligence about really worried about staying lean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, when I was younger and, um, and, uh, and it, it was really like, I just, I, I didn't realize it until I stopped how negative of an impact that was having on my life. Mm -hmm. And it was only when I stopped counting calories and macros and not giving a shit about, you know, how yeah. lean I was and started eating almost twice as much food as I used to mm -hmm. eat that 
not only did I stay, I was, I'm probably leaner regularly now than I was before, but, um, I was just enjoyed life so much more. Yeah. And I just feel like the nothing, no knock on bodybuilding. It's just that that's I, what I wish there was, was I wish there was a, like a, a version of bodybuilding shows that was, um, more catering towards like, you know, people who are like 10%, Mm-hmm. 12% body yeah. fat and like looks healthy, but also, yeah. you know what I mean? Definitely. That I would do for sure. Cause it'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. So I have a lot of thoughts about that because I completely agree with like, I just don't even think the look of, especially for people who I would probably even say in general, but people, especially people who like, aren't like super enhanced that look of mm. getting super shredded when you're like, you know, like you're a natural guy, like you're repeating natural or whatever. Good. No, it looks weird. It looks like you just look like emaciated a lot of times. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it would be great if it was like eight to 10% maybe and not exactly. like, you know, yeah. like five to, you know, 8%. I don't know. Even 8% is like, people don't realize it, but that's damn lean. Really lean. Really yeah. Lean. And the other thing too is, especially as a natural, like you get down to 5% and there's, you can look up stores of guys who do that. And, yeah. um, you know, they get blood work done after and their oh, testosterone yeah. is dipped down to like deplorable levels and doesn't come back up for, you know, six, seven, eight months later. Uh, one, yeah. One thing about hormones is that they take a long time to regulate. And, um, yeah. when you go and crash diet for, well, you may not even be technically crash dieting, but when you bring your calories that low for yeah. extended period of time, like you said, testosterone will be like, you know, you like as if you were 80 years old or something. And that sucks. Yeah. 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 Like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be having a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of why you wouldn't do it because you're uh, you, uh, straight up. I think you're a jack motherfucker. And um, <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah. Like I think, I mean, the, the photos you post at least looks like you stay pretty lean for the most part. And yeah, like, you're, a big, you're a big guy, like 5'11, 200 pounds. That's, yeah. that's big, dude. I feel like you would do really well if you ever decide to do it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I appreciate that. There's, uh, there's definitely some things that I, I, um, I would like. I don't think I would place very well for a number of reasons. Like my, uh, everybody's different. Like their builds different. Like for instance, Nimai, right? Like Nimai yeah. looks like he's fucking smuggling baseballs in his arm. You know? Yeah, like, his uh, arms are. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's crazy. It literally looks like his his bicep is gonna pop out of his yeah uh, he's got a really really small waist too which would like you know yeah. come up really nicely for like the ifbb stuff yeah um, exactly yeah like that v taper look i guess mm-hmm. so for me like if i were to if i were to compete there's uh, some real challenges that i would face just yeah. from aesthetics uh my so first it's like i have uh, and this is some of the postural things i'm working on for powerlifting, but they obviously translate to the aesthetics of bodybuilding is um yeah. i have pretty bad anterior pelvic tilt from okay. uh from well predisposed to it but also because i injured my back deadlifting like mm. six years ago and uh my recovery process was just crap so yeah so i lost a lot of core strength uh went to anterior pelvic tilt and mm. i also raised my right hip so oh. my core looks aesthetic wise looks crap like for oh. a bodybuilding show uh-huh. so if i if i were to take it seriously to go to a bodybuilding show i'd really have to fix my apt first mm. and lower my right hip because it just it doesn't look symmetrical it's not uh it's not really a bodybuilding uh yeah type of, type of yeah I, I was gonna say i mean kind of like what you're, you're making me think about right now is how bodybuilding can kind of lead to 
being hypercritical of yourself in ways that nobody yeah. else ever realized. Yeah, Except, totally. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, yeah. you know, for some people, I mean, for me, I'm just not interested in that at all because, you know, I, I, I'm more interested in the performance aspect, mm -hmm. but also I don't think I do good with like people critiquing the way I look mentally. Like, I feel like, I don't know. It's not. It's weird. <laughs> it is it is kind of weird but also i feel like it would be like mentally not the best for me because mm -hmm. it would get in my head too much and then i'd be hypercritical of myself and i think it would just bring my um my well-being down that's kind of like even if i had the potential to ever be any good with it i i yeah. don't think i'd want to do it i'm more interested i would like to do more powerlifting meets but I'm a, I'm a, I got a small frame so also everything is kind of hard for me i just fucking love lifting you know <laughs> how, how tall are you I'm six feet tall, but I have a really small frame. So like I generally stay pretty lean. It's just kind of easy for me to yeah. stay lean. Yeah, so, you're lean year round pretty well. Hey. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually did like dreamer books for years and uh, yeah. I kind of stayed around like 205, which for, for me was like 17% body fat-ish, like on yeah. like DEXA scans and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I stay at like 175 to 180 now, which is like about 11% or so on DEXA. Yeah. And, but I, I can eat 2,800, 3,000 calories a day. And I, I do great. Like I just stay this body yeah. fat. So yeah. it works well for me, but I don't want to get like crazy lean. And it's also not the best, like strength wise, but I kind of just keep yeah. trying to push my strength at this body fat. It's kind of like what I'm enjoying lately. <laughs> me too, man. I'm the same way. It's like, you kind of have to, I think it sounds like you and I are very similar in the approach where it's like, you know, you want the aesthetics you also want the strength yeah. but more than anything you're like doing it for yourself right like you're yeah. you enjoy lifting you enjoy the results even though they're minuscule week over a week oh, month yeah. over a month but but uh th that's what it is for me at this point too is is i just i enjoy the self-competition of mm -hmm. lifting yeah and um and and even outside of the lifting itself you know i changed my uh workout routine or not my my workout schedule up recently to work out in the mornings and mm -hmm. even that that was a huge challenge too but i that was a that was an awesome experience too it's like it gets to get you out of your comfort zone and like challenge yeah. you in a new way it's like ah you know but it's uh, part of the process of making you better incrementally yeah you know actually that makes me think about how like because you know we have it pretty hard like lifting for as long as we do trying to get stronger I, I, the way that I've been trying to kind of like figure things out is just being super, super meticulous about like my programming. And yeah. uh, because like I, like I said, I don't think I'm like genetically blessed with strength or size or anything. Uh, I just try to like counter it by just like, you know, measuring everything perfectly. And I really enjoy like that process. Yeah. So like I figured out exactly how many sets I, I feel like I need lately to keep pushing my strength up. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I've been like really hypercritical of all that. And I need like a ton of volume, but I've, I've been discovering like this formula that I've been following for like a couple of years now, where like, as soon as I start creeping up into this certain set zone for like, at, at like a certain RPE at like certain weights, I can like keep pushing my strength up, you know, even though I keep getting more fatigued and then like I reset, but yeah. that's kind of how I've been pushing my deadlift up towards like almost 500 now. Yeah. And um, that, that for me is like my goal. It's like what I want to do. And it just, it's super hard, but that's kind of my process for trying to get better now <laughs> that's awesome man i think I, we have a similar approach too when you so you volume is a huge predictor for me too that's basically the only yeah. way i'll see progress now volume yeah and um but you know it, including a lot of strength sets at the, mm -hmm. at the you know the very start of the the workout mm -hmm. um when you oh gotta be mindful of time because i think it's almost seven for you isn't it 
Oh yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to about seven fifteen. I don't want to rush this conversation. Okay, okay. I feel like yeah, this is great, but uh, yeah, we we can go to like you know. Okay. You let me know. I'll talk forever, <laughs> so you just kick me off. No, no, so will I. I just I keep getting distracted about talking about working out because I you uh, know it's so fun to talk about. I just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all I wanted to say was with the volume is, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm exactly the same. And I think once you get to a certain level of, uh, trained, you know, like once you, mm -hmm. once you, your body has been trained to a certain mm -hmm. level, really the only thing that is going to move it is, is volume. Yeah. I don't think that increasing intensity, obviously intensity has a huge role too. Um, but I don't think it has as much as a role to play for most people when they get to a trained level as much as yeah. volume is, which is a really fine balancing act because you know it can really it can lead to fatigue very quickly and if you're not careful about putting rest blocks in or dialing it back every now and then then yeah. you know it can be counter counterproductive yeah that's you nailed it dude that's exactly how i feel and um yeah at a certain level you definitely have to like you know monitor your uh, intensity and your fatigue levels and everything so yeah that's a really good point um just to kind of I, I also really want to talk to you about like vegan stuff really quick oh and yeah totally I really want to talk to you also about your, the work you do in men's health. Cause I think that's oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So to kind of transition a little bit, you, um, I'm curious about how you got into veganism and what kind of, you know, led you to that. Um, how long you've been vegan for, how it kind of affected your training, things like that. Uh, well, it's been the hardest six hours of my life, man. <laughs> Are you, uh, you're, you're lacking B12 already? I was carnivore six hours before this. Not <laughs> uh, I was, uh, so when I lived in, um, when I lived in, so when I was 140 pounds or sub 140, that was when I was living in this little town called Tofino on, on uh, Vancouver Island, which is where I'm at right now. And yeah. I was working at a butcher shop and um, make a long story short, basically, this is how I remember it. So it was a really interesting week. It was about, it all collapses into about a week of time. So the first time, the first friend I ever had who died, uh, was around that time. And if you've ever had a friend who, who, who's died, uh, like the first friend that dies, it's very, it's a shock to your system because you know, you're used to old people dying, mm -hmm. but young people dying, you, it kind of shakes your concept of mortality. Mm -hmm. So that happened and I was having a, it, I wouldn't say a hard time dealing with it. I was having a very weird time dealing with it. it just was a weird moment for me. And then, um, the next thing that happened was uh, a friend of mine was walking her, she was pushing her grocery cart down the aisle and she was coming towards our department. And I saw her coming towards our department and she picked up a box of Cheerios and threw it in her, in her uh, grocery cart. And then she came out to our department and grabbed a steak and threw it in basically the exact same way that she threw in the box of Cheerios. And I saw that. And uh, I, I was like, man, something's wrong here. And actually I missed one thing because right before that, that when I saw her throw that box of Cheerios and that's when I, decided to make a switch but right before that i'd asked my manager who ran the um you know the butcher shop uh you know i said uh, you know i've my whole life which was not very long at that point but when I, you know all the jobs that i'd had had all been manual labor in some capacity i said this job i've been the most tired at the end of the week compared to any of my other jobs and he kind of jokingly said oh, it's because you deal with death all day and i was like oh man that's crazy and my friend had just died too so and then this uh, whole incident with the Cheerio box. So I decided to cut animal products out until I got my hunting license. I'd grown up fishing, but I'd never been hunting. And nice. I wanted to see if I could, you know, kill and prepare a deer or kill and prepare, you know, a goat or something like that. 
And I just never got my hunting license. So I cut everything out. And basically, it was I didn't know what calories were. I didn't know what fat was, protein. I sort of knew what that was. But I was basically just eating like spinach salads, you know, three times. So I went from, and I was surfing twice a day, you know, skateboarding, you know, at least once a day. Mm-hmm. And I just wasted away. And, all, you know, my doctor, uh, I was like 138 pounds or something like that. And my, my doctor said, you know, basically, you have to get started eating meat again because I was wasting away. Uh, and then cut that was in like 2005 and then fast forward to 2008, I moved to Vancouver. And then in 2010, I met some people at a cafe that worked up the street from where I was working at, who it was a vegetarian restaurant that had some vegan options. And some of the girls that worked there were vegan and they, they, and a friend of mine actually at the time turned me on to what veganism actually is. And I started learning more about it, learning more about nutrition and all that kind of stuff. And that's when I went vegan. Uh, so long winded, long winded story, but, uh, that's, yeah. So that's kind of how it all came about. And then ever since then, uh, just kind of checks all the boxes, right. You know, it's, it's, it was for moral reasons to begin with, but, uh, makes perfect sense for pretty much every other, uh, you know, reason to, to go vegan. That is such a cool story. That is, uh, one of the coolest (laughs) stories I've heard for someone going vegan, actually. It just, because you work so hands-on, like at a book butcher shop and just how you distinctly remember like the aspect of just putting, you know, a, a plant-based food basically into a cart and not thinking anything about it, obviously. And then just throwing yeah. a piece of meat in there and also not thinking anything that that's just really cool to, yeah. for me to hear because I never really, obviously, like I think about this pretty often being vegan for a while now, but I never thought about like, I guess the practical aspect of someone just at a, at a store, just throwing two different things in and not thinking twice, obviously mm. you know, I thought about other ways, but that's, that's really interesting. It was a weird, it was really weird, man, uh, yes. because I can't remember how it felt before, but I can definitely remember like certain, like I never, I remember we had, so we had the big meat cooler, obviously, yeah. and I'd go in there after that. And like, we had the, you know, the half of a carcass hanging from, mm-hmm. from the roof or whatever. And I remember looking at these things, like, you know, you could see their ribs and all that. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is like, I never thought of these things as animals until, mm-hmm. until that, pretty much that moment or things that had lives essentially. You know? Yeah. That was like a rude awakening almost. Yeah. It, it was, was weird, man. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. That's, that's a really cool story, dude. Um, it's it, yeah. That's funny how, you know, things so long ago, they stick out so distinctly if it really has an effect on you. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. So how did you find, um, so you went vegan a while ago before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you, I, mean, I didn't even know what veganism was back then. Yeah. That's, that's really cool too. How do you feel like it affected? Cause you were already lifting and stuff, uh, or shortly after, I guess. Right. Cause you kind of got back into lifting after you went down to like that low weight of 140. 2008 yeah. ish around 2009 is when I got back into lifting. Um, while you were a vegan. And I, uh, no, uh, like a year before and then when i in 2010 is when i went vegan but for anybody asking like when i went vegan i was about 165 pounds okay uh maybe slightly less probably 160 165 pounds and now i'm like 200 205 so yeah it's all all so you you didn't find (laughs) it right so at the beginning you didn't find it difficult at all to put on any muscle or size or anything once you knew what you were doing right well, interestingly enough, so I was trying to back then all I had to go on was like bodybuilding forums. So I was basically shoveling back vegan protein and I, and I did that for years, man. Like, you know, and I, I was about a hundred and I got up to about 175, 180 pounds, somewhere around in there. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember my friend, 
my roommate actually at the time, he came in, I was making breakfast and I had like, you know, I was pouring powders on my oatmeal and stuff like that. And he's like, man, you're the king of powders. <laughs> and I remember him saying that. And I was like, I don't want to be the king of powders. You know, no one, but no one wants to be the king of powders. It's a terrible, yeah. terrible, uh, moniker. So, so I, um, so I realized that this is probably not a very good thing to do to be constantly eating, you know, all the, half of my calories from protein powder. So I started cutting it down slowly to the point where I just got to basically no protein powder. And I put on, I still put on like, you know, when I, when I remember like basically when I cut protein powder out, I was about 185, 190 pounds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, another 10 to 12 to 13 pounds of weight without mm -hmm. protein powder. So. Do you, uh, do you use any protein powder now at all again? No, no I'll buy it from time to time. Like okay. if you look through my Instagram, you'll see a couple of posts. Like there's one with me, uh, over on my counter here with the two tubs of Vega protein and like a whole okay. bunch of vegetables. And the reason is because I'd been living off oatmeal for like a month and a half, dude. And, mix, uh, mix the protein in there. Yeah. I mix the protein. Oh. I mix and, and the reason is because like, I just, uh, you know, I love the taste of like a protein oatmeal but uh, generally speaking i'd say like 355 days out of the year i won't have protein oh wow okay i actually just ate protein oatmeal today and it was delicious nice. <laughs> oh dude it's so good it's so good yo now, what, sorry what was that well now what i do is instead of using protein powder i just use straight up cacao so my a typical breakfast for me is like uh, buckwheat or quinoa porridge mm -hmm. i'll add two bananas add some um cacao powder mm -hmm. and then mix in some oatmeal or oat milk pardon me and that's uh that's an awesome alternative do you um do you usually eat whole foods yeah pretty well exclusively okay um what do you think your protein intake is daily out of curiosity if you had a guess yeah it, so i do track it from time to time just mm -hmm. to see where it's at it's anywhere it depends on what i'm doing but main yeah. mainly like usually it's around like anywhere from about 100 to 140 grams okay and yeah so not too low yeah. and then uh, but then sometimes too like I, I go through stints where and not for any health reasons not for any reason other than i just i i love fruit dude like it's, yeah. it's the greatest so so if there's like fruit in season like uh where I, when i used to live in vancouver there was a farmer's market every saturday yeah and i'd go and i'd buy like you know like a big thing of blueberries or a big thing of raspberries or a bunch of peaches or whatever yeah. and i was just there was i'd go like weeks of just eating fruit so, uh, you know, just because I like it, I'm not yeah. too worried about that. Uh, you know, dude, I went to a 4th of July party yesterday. Um, nice. and, uh, it, you, yeah. Um, and there was watermelon out and I just, I was craving watermelon, man. I ate like, dude. I'm not even kidding. I ate like probably more than half of what was out. <laughs> Amazing. Dude. Watermelon's the greatest. Oh That's my God. So it's, it's one of the best yeah. fruits at bananas, watermelon, and like, blueberries are probably my three favorites blueberries, so yeah dude and raspberries too if you <clears throat> if you ever get your, yeah. your hands on some fresh raspberries are my favorite berries uh watermelon you can grill up like steak yeah i've seen that and i never tried that? it before is it actually good yeah. i've never tried it either but my sister-in-law she makes it all the time and they swear by it so yeah, yeah watermelon yeah. is the oh man it's the best summer fruit now i want more watermelon <laughs> yeah i might go buy some today yeah um yeah. Okay. So I, I would, I really want to touch on like the men's health stuff that you do. And yes. I, so I, I have, I have no idea. All I know is that you said that you, you, you know, you work in men's with men's health uh, related stuff and is it, does that have to do with yeah. like life coaching kind of work? 
Yeah. So it's, 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 I guess like the, the term is men's like men's work. <clears throat> and what it is, is um, it's uh, the principle is based in, if you look back in history before the century, if you look back in history, <clears throat> there was always rite of passage, right? And uh, that rite of passage for men, right? Mm -hmm. And women had it too, but it was just different. And there's a whole reason for it. You go into it, but you know, kind of yeah. only have so much time. So, so the, the long story short of it is um, the best, this is the best way to look at it I've ever seen. It was out of, mm -hmm. it's out of a book called um, From Boys to Men, fantastic book on men's rites of passage. It's from a counselor who worked with troubled youth. Mm -hmm. And the example he gives is if you look back in history, rites of passage were to bring boys out of boyhood and turn them into men to give them the responsibilities of the masculine because it's a very heavy responsibility that comes with a lot of weight. It's not to be taken lightly. Yeah. And the, there's two different ways that it's approached the right way, which is uh, you think of a labyrinth, right? A labyrinth, it looks like a maze, but really it's one way in and one way out. You can't get lost. There's trials and tribulations to the center, but there's only one way in and there's one way out. And in history, boys would be led through this labyrinth, this metaphorical labyrinth by the elders, by their father, but all the other men in the group. And they'd be led to the center where they would find themselves, where they'd go through the trial, trials and tribulations. They would face uh, possible death. They would face um, you know, it, well, possible death is the big one. Mm -hmm. and, and they'd be taught the ways of men. And then they would be led, they would act, find their way back out back to be back and be brought into the tribe as a man. And mm -hmm. more importantly, the most important part of that is the contribution to the society that they're a part of with this generative masculine energy. And it's very similar for women. I'm just, you know, this is the man's version of it right? or the masculine version of it, I should say. Okay. <clears throat> the other way to do it, which is more, you know, the kind of the wrong way to do it, which is what we do today is you think about a maze. There's one way in, but there's a million obstacles. There's a, uh, dead ends or, you know, things that, you know, depending on what maze you're in could eat you or kill you, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of what we do with our kids these days, our, our boys, we just throw them into this maze and hope that they make it out. And we actually reprimand them for the, for, uh, we reprimand, reprimand them if they don't make it out properly. Um, for instance, like we're, we're, you know, adolescence or the teenagers is like a relatively new concept. Um, before you were a boy and then you were a man. And now there's this like drawn out length of time where you really don't have any places in society. You have nothing to contribute. People are telling you what to do. You're also trying to push boundaries to figure out what your identity is. And we reprimand you for it. Mm -hmm. um, so men's work and a big part of that too, I won't go into it, but a big part of that is also the fact that father figures are, are very hard to come by for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. So anyways, all that goes into this, which is men's work and men's work is groups of men who get together to support one another, to facilitate a positive generative transmutation of negative masculine energy into positive masculine energy to support mm -hmm. each other. And that's, that's done through, um, you know, ceremony. Sometimes it's done through, uh, doing rites of passage. It's done through, uh, contribution to your community. Um, but it's also, uh, just talking about the things that are challenging you being supported by other men who are also going through their own challenges and realizing that you have a support network. So, so I've been involved in that in some way, shape or form for the last, uh, going on four years now, and it's been massively transformative for my life. Yeah. And, uh, so the way that I, I work that into my work now, uh, with some, some of my clients, uh, is if 
it's showing up for them. If, and the way to, to ask yourself if, uh, you know, if you're, and again, if this sounds so one-sided, cause I keep saying guys keep saying men, keep saying masculine. Um, but that's just because that this is, uh, that's what this is, right? That's not to say that there aren't supportive. There's a fantastic Instagram account called rising women. And it's the exact same thing for feminine energy for, for women. So this is men's work. And so with men, if you, if you feel like there's a part of you and most guys will identify with this, I, I'm trying to find my purpose or I'm trying to find my place in life. I'm trying to find how, how do I show up in life? Why do I feel like I'm depressed? Like that everything I do is for nothing yeah. that I'm just punching in and punching out every day. If that's you, then that's an intrinsic part of being a lost man in today's society. This is a way to, to reclaim it, to find a network of men who will help, uh, help support that change, that transformation in you. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I really resonate with this because I just read a book that was probably one of my favorites in the past couple of years, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure you probably heard of. It's called tribe on homecoming and belonging. What's it called? I broke up there. Tribe on homecoming and belonging. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't heard that. No, so I'll have to check it out. It literally talks about based pretty much word for word, what you said about how so many people are, you know, struggling in today's society um, you know, especially men in, in, in this case that we're talking about right now, because they're, they don't have like that kind of, yeah, rite of passage into like manhood. Mm. Um, and, you know, they would talk before, like it, the book is really short, actually. Um, and it talks a lot about how people just like, they don't feel like they have a good purpose or they don't, you know, they don't know why they don't feel the right way, but they don't have that community mm. um, or anything that's really making them feel like fulfilled. So the book yeah. talks a lot about like war. And um, like how these people that were, you know, involved in certain wars or whatever, these men, they would come back and they'd obviously be struggling with things like PTSD, depression, anxiety, and a lot of things like that. But obviously, you know, goes as being diagnosed as like, like a disease, basically. And that's not really the case necessarily. It's just they went through like an extremely powerful event for multiple reasons in their life. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had a community. Um, they were literally on, you know, knocking, like basically knocking on death's door with these other guys. Mm -hmm. So they go through like this really, you know, important bonding experience with these people, this community, and they come back, they get thrown back into society and they don't feel like they have a purpose and they, you know, they Mm -hmm. experience a lot of other side effects and such. And it basically talks about how we're just missing that in society today. Um, basically exactly what you said. So I highly (laughs) recommend that book, man. It's so good. I'm going to definitely check it out. Yeah. yeah that's I a huge, that's one of the biggest tragedies. I think um, one of the biggest tragedies, I think uh, of the, you know, the last 60 years mm-hmm. is that we have all of these men and women going to these wars, you know, and they're fighting for their country and whether or not you agree with the wars is beside the point They're mm-hmm. they're going to fight for their country. You know, it's, it's not their decision. And when they come back, uh, this has been a part of civilization as long as there's been civilization, which is, you know, of wars. Um, but part of war is accepting our warriors back into society and, mm-hmm. and, and allowing them to share their gifts because they have a lot of gifts to share. Uh, but we, we look at them as ugly, not them, the people, but the gifts that they have to share is ugly. The, you know, the, that's a big part of this whole process. Yeah. Um, and because we've just cut that, that reciprocity off, we've cut that contribution off from the people who come, men and women who come back from overseas, it just breaks this, uh, what could be, you know, a silver lining to a really dark 
um, ordeal, uh, mm. it makes it even darker. Yeah. Um, that's, that's great, man. I, man, if you read this book, you're, I think you're really going to love it. Uh, I'm excited for you to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, man. I'll but, definitely check it out. Yeah. I was so stoked on that book. So that's really cool stuff you're doing. Um, just out of curiosity, I'm not sure if this is in the realm of kind of like what you deal with at all, but just thinking in terms of like, you know, fitness and, and veganism, especially veganism kind of being something that's like not, you know, stereotypically considered like a masculine thing by most people. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of people are like, oh, like, you know, mostly girls eat vegan or men are very unlikely to go vegan because they feel like eating meat is like what they need to do. I, I don't know. Is that something that is you you kind of like, I, I don't know, is that involved at all in the, the stuff you do or or if it's not, like what kind of is your opinion on that? I I love the, I think uh, veganism dovetails perfectly into men's work. If you think of the, the way I think about, um, so masculine energy is a positive thing. It can be very uh, destructive, but if it's, if it's, if it's a, genuine masculinity that that destruction is warranted what what we're seeing usually if we think about masculine energy when most people think about masculine in the world today they're thinking about corporations you know uh dumping you know garbage into the ocean wars all that kind of stuff and i'd argue that that's uh that's men who never actually grew up you're looking at a whole multiple generations of people at the at the helm of industry who never went through uh these rites of passage and therefore they're boys in men's bodies making boyish decisions the reason why i think veganism dovetails so well into men's work and being a man and, and the idea of masculinity is because you know human beings we're we've inherited the earth we're the stewards of this planet we have the power to destroy or proliferate it and uh, that's a that's a very very um weighty uh, it's a big responsibility yeah being uh deciding to go plant-based when it's uh, a lot easier to go uh to eat omnivorously you know i, I think it like so many people just put whatever shit they want into their mouth without regard for what goes into it and the environmental impact or re regard for how it uh, affects their body and i feel like uh you know if you are a man who's taken ownership of not only his actions as it relates to his body and his, his health, but also the, as your actions relate to the world around you as a man should, then the most masculine thing that you could do is choose a diet that uh, causes the least amount of harm, unnecessary harm, and also provides uh, the most likely scenario that will have a, a future for our children. Yeah. Um, so I think it's the most masculine thing you can do. Yeah, I could not agree more with that, actually. I think, I mean, it's a very selfless decision to start eating plant-based. And I think that's something that more people need to realize. Uh, I mean, you know, eating more broccoli and, uh, you know, seitan, tofu, whatever. I mean, that's going to be a way better option for the environment and for the world, you know, the world we live in and for the animals mm -hmm. who can't defend themselves. And I think that that ties totally. in all that. In my opinion, that ties in a lot to, you know, what I think, um, kind of like my opinion for what a man should be looking for, like to defend people who can't defend themselves, you know? And, you know, in this case, it's Adam. Totally. <laughs> well, that, that's traditionally what, that's traditionally what our role was in society was mm -hmm. to be the protectors and defenders. Right. And, uh, and that's the reason why I brought up 
you look at corporations and like how masculine energy is represented in the world today yeah. and it's understandable why people would look at it with such uh disdain angst yeah it's just, yeah disdain is because um it's thought of as this destructive uh you know um cancer on the earth that's you know displayed disregard for anything but its own interests which i would argue is the exact opposite of what true masculine energy is it's uh masculine energy when when properly embodied when properly uh manifested in the world is completely selfless and only looking out for the uh protection and proliferation of you know the people that it's protected or the you know the 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 tribe the the you know mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and whatnot yeah I, I could not agree more with that and i think that's something that more people and in this case we keep talking about men specifically need to come back to i mean i've mm. heard of so many grown-ass men who won't eat some vegetables and they're just like dude yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. well, you can't just eat some yeah. broccoli for your own i mean even for your own health you, like, you yeah. have to look out for your own health to look out for other people too which yeah. i also think is something that's important to mention you know if you have uh, you know, if you have health issues for not eating, you know, if your cholesterol is high as shit for not getting enough fiber and eating too much cholesterol, then maybe you're not going to be in the best shape to, I don't know, make other good decisions in your life <laughs> or yeah. even just like, I, I don't know, you, you, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and even the way that you interact with other people, you know, like you, you think about the butterfly effect. If you imagine, imagine all the interactions that you'll ever have in your entire life. And you think about the times that you maybe make a bad decision with food and like, man, there's, you know, I have, I have beer every now and then I'll drink, you know, I'll mm -hmm. get, you know, shit faced every now and then and, yeah. and I'll, I'll eat some pretty crappy food, but yeah. I always feel like shit the next day or even for a few days. But if you're consistent and you realize, man, how much of a difference good food makes and how much of a difference taking care of your body makes. Yeah. Um, but imagine someone who's doing that consistently with that they're running at a suboptimal uh, level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're consistently showing up to the world at 50% capacity. And because of that, they're more likely to have a negative interaction with other people. Like the butterfly effect of that, yeah. the negative interactions that you leave that echo throughout your, not only your, the, the person that you're interacting with, but all the other interactions that that person might have. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that can have a real compound effect over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's not like, like you said, it's not like you can't enjoy some things that might not be, you know, the best for your body. I mean, there, there's some things you have yeah. to kind of like measure the benefits and, you know, detriments of, and, you know, in this case, it's like, well, maybe it's great for your mental health. And if that helps with, you know, just generally feeling better, you know, maybe you want to eat some ice cream here and there. Like, obviously, yeah. uh, the same way. Like, I like to go, yeah, I like to go out with my friends and like <laughs> drink some beers here and there. And, uh, you know, socially, like for my social health, like that's great. You know, I don't want to just be at home and mm -hmm. always eating just whole foods every single day, all the time. Sometimes I want to go out yeah. you know, once, once a week or something and kind of just totally <laughs> got to live, you know? Yeah, gotta live. exactly, man. Um, okay. So I, I really loved that, that aspect we just touched on. That was just really great to hear about and very refreshing too. I feel like it's something that I don't think that I've ever talked about on this before and very I mean, if anything, I don't think I've ever talked about this with somebody else in real life about, but I could not agree more about like, you know, your opinion on like men in general and, you know, men's roles in societies and the work that you do in like kind of trying to help men find their place. You know, I think that's, that's amazing, man. So that's, that's really cool. Um, I appreciate and, it. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. Um, and kind of just to wrap us up here. Um, I, 
So where can people find you on social media and connect with you? And what about your coaching services? Uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, again, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. As always, it's yeah. uh, been a super, super awesome conversation. Love to have you on my podcast again. Uh, you know, always down. You're, you're one of the realest yeah. people who needs to like blow up on social media in general. Because, <laughs> yeah, for, for vegan fitness. Yes, you do. Yeah, for vegan fitness, like you're somebody that needs to be heard more by people who are vegan and into fitness. <laughs> Nice, dude. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Um, well, t- where they can find me is uh, at the vegan trainer. That's uh, my Instagram handle. That's probably the easiest place to find me, unless I shut it off again. <laughs> but uh, and they can check out your podcast episode on there too, because I, I've got it. If you go to my Instagram, I've got all my podcast list, all my podcast episodes listed there, and they'll see uh, my interview that I did with you. So anybody who wants to learn more about Ryan, head over there and check it out. Right. Um, Thank and you then- very much. <laughs> Dude, it's it's great, and um, and uh, yeah, and then as far as coaching services, uh, the easiest way to uh, is just to send me a DM. You know, um, you know, I can, and and if I can't help you, if we're not a good fit, like I, I'm pretty upfront with people. I don't, um, you know, if I feel like I can help, man, 100. percent But if I feel like there's a better fit, like I've I've sent people your way, I've sent people to like Chris Moore is another guy I've sent people to because you know there, there's a perfect coach out there for for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I could mention one last thing yeah. is uh, for anybody who's interested, there's two, there's a, there's a whole, so many podcasts out there for men's work is obviously a big thing that I love, right? That's something that I love to uh, talk about. Um, there's two great resources that I would, that I'd point people in the direction of. So one is that, that book, which I think it's a, just a fantastic read It's called from boys to men. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember the author's name, but there's two books called from boys to men. Okay. And this guy, he, there's one by a woman and it's a completely different topic. And then there's one by this guy and he's a clinical counselor with, uh, at risk youth. And so it chronicles his journey. That's the one I would recommend reading. The second thing is there's a fantastic podcast, um, by a guy named Rainier wild called lost man standing L O S T M A N standing. Um, and that's a, he's, uh, he's a, a Jungian psychiatrist turned to a um men's coach and he talks about all all things men's work so anybody who's kind of here if any of the stuff that we talked about today they're kind of have an inkling to oh that's something i want in my life man those are two great places to start awesome yeah i really want to read those too because as much as i loved uh tribe the book that i told you about i think that i would really like those so i'm excited to read this yeah <laughs> awesome man yeah i'm looking forward to reading uh it's called Tribe, right? What, yeah, Tribe, Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. That's the full title. But uh, Homecoming it's, and it's very popular. So I'll send it to you. And um, you also have a YouTube, right? Oh, I do have a YouTube. Yeah. Uh, if you just look up Power Plant Body on YouTube, you'll find it. Um, I, I don't, it's, just, I, I would give you the URL, but it's just a long string of random oh, yeah. numbers and letters. So yeah. yeah, if you look up Power Plant Body, so that's P O W E R P L A N T B O D Y on YouTube, you should find it. Awesome. All right, Taylor. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you coming on today, man. Always a great chat. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Eighth Approach podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't already, it would mean a ton if you gave the podcast a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Player FM, Pinecast, or any other service you're listening to. And subscribe to the Athex Fitness YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page. 
feel free to check out the articles, training and nutrition programs, and merch on athixfitness.com. And if you like what I'm making, dropping a like, commenting, and sharing would really, really help me out. Thanks so much, guys, and I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.